You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, a spiritual quest brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Well, welcome back to The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. Well, my name is Nanette Moodyam. I'm here with Dr. Joseph Howell, and we're so glad to have you here today. And I, just thinking about our introduction just right now, the real Enneagram, a spiritual quest, um, got me thinking about the origin story of this interesting title of our podcast of the Institute for Conscious Being. And mm-hmm. I just thought we could discuss that today. Right. You know, what, what do you think about yeah. that? I'd love to do that. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people probably wouldn't even know why. Yeah. What, why? Uh, why? Why do we call it the real Enneagram? What does the real Enneagram mean to you, Joe? Well, Nanette, the thought about the name for this podcast came when I was with a group of people brainstorming. Mm-hmm. And I believe you were in that group. I was. I was. We were brainstorming about what to call this future podcast. And yeah, it, yeah. It, we had a lot of ideas. But and mm-hmm. but when we came to this one, something in you, I saw your eyes just light up. And yes. uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it was it became apparent really uh, quickly yeah. that that was that was the title of this podcast. Yeah, I just knew it because, you know, Nanette, there are a lot of Enneagrams out there, mm-hmm. a lot of interpretations of the Enneagram, many of which are wonderfully done and very insightful. And, and there are many that cater to, to business and to the, the development of the personality. In fact, you know, make no mistake about it, some of the leading uh, teachers uh, of the Enneagram teach nothing but the educational aspects of the Enneagram in terms of making sure businesses run more smoothly because various personalities are paired together, various personalities are put on various committees because they would be coherent with each other. Many Enneagram types or teach teachers, I should say, teaching types have spun it off into their various directions mm-hmm. of uh, learning and their expertise, such as some teachers are very into how to interpret the Enneagram in light of addiction. Uh-huh. And okay. that's 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 very useful. Some in light of organizational theory, in uh, organizational structure, and where to put people and where not to put certain people. Others take a more social interpretation of the Enneagram in that one can uh, enjoy people more if they understand types and if they know their types and they can create much more of a convivial relationship with people Mm -hmm. uh, because of this knowledge. Now, that's just three different areas. But I believe that the person who first learned about the Enneagram of Personality 
knew most about what this system was all about. And it is not about making money. It is not about making sure organizational structures work to make optimal money and have everybody work together more smoothly. And it's not even about the social aspect of it and understanding other people. The Enneagram of personality and 107 other Enneagrams were actually given, revealed to Oscar Ichazo uh, when he was in the desert of near Arica, Arica, Chile, okay. which is on the coast of Chile, and there's a desert near there. And um, this information was given to him either in a state of meditation or in a, in a state of being on a vision quest and being totally isolated from everyone and alone to receive this inspiration. And some people say that it even could have been a self-induced altered state of some consciousness. We do not know, but we wouldn't be talking about the Enneagram today, you and I, in the way we're talking about it. Had not it been for a Bolivian-born man living in and teaching in Chile at Arica, who was open to receive knowledge beyond himself. And he told his followers that he was given this knowledge. He didn't make it up. He didn't steal it from somebody. He had an earlier knowledge of the Enneagram because of his exposure to the first founder of the Enneagram, George Ivanovich Gurdjieff, who lived earlier than Oscar Echazo, and whose writings are experiences Oscar knew of from a child from uh, his own childhood, hearing people speak about Gurdjieff's wisdom. And it is said that Oscar even went to the place in northern Afghanistan, supposedly, or near Pakistan, to the very monastery where Gurdjieff was lived and was taught the Enneagram and subsequently brought that understanding back to the West. But Gurdjieff never had an Enneagram of personality, ever. He had an Enneagram of energies, an Enneagram that was one of movement portrayed by the arrows that we see today in the the Enneagram's figure. And he taught it, the energy movement, more in dance than in any kind of cerebral way. And you can see the Gurdjieff dances and hear his music that he wrote to these dances on uh, YouTube today. That, that they're there. You can see the movement of these energies. So that being said, Oscar Echazo knew all this, knew about these energies, understood that there were nine different types of primal energies that were divine in nature. So in wanting to know more, he opened himself. And, and I suppose 
asked in some way to receive more information about this. And boy, did he get a lot of information. <laughs> he got actually 108 what he called Enneagons, all in all, one of which was the Enneagram, Enneagon of personality, which is the Enneagram everybody is talking about and what has produced all of this, these other renditions besides the one Oscar Echazo taught. So what is that one Oscar Echazo? Well, he taught from what he received that every one of those nine points is, has divine principles and laws that underpin and undergird them, and that nothing operates outside of these divine laws, and that these laws are operated under the divine's all-knowing and omniscient being. Well, that's kind of huge. Very that's huge. Kind of, that's kind of miraculous. Yes. And into the bargain, all of the ideas and other Enneagons are also rooted in the divine as aspects of the divine. For example, the holy ideas are nine different ways we perceive the divine. They are nine different ways that the divine in us perceives reality. Okay, so Joe, just just let me pause you there for a second because okay. if if I'm if I'm new to the Enneagram and I've I've learned about it through the personality of the Enneagram. Sure. And I I may, maybe I've read some books and uh, the stories about the founders and and earliest teachers of the Enneagram are pretty consistent. You're you're going to hear about Oscar Echazo and and Narano, and you're going to hear about these people. And and maybe that doesn't mean a lot to you because you're just trying to figure out what's wrong with you and how to get along with your family better, and and maybe how to um, maybe work better with your workmates, or you know maybe you're you've you're using it for all the things that we alluded to that many teachers teach it. And so I hear all of this other stuff, and I think, well, that doesn't have much to do with me. I'm just looking to try to understand myself. And then I I come. Well, we know the truth is is if you end enter in in personality, eventually you're going to find that still that ego, whatever ego type you are, is still, I mean, you can only become the best version of that. And then it's still not very satisfying. Some Something in you says, okay, am I like for me, am I just supposed to be the best nine that I can be? Or is there anything else? I thought maybe I'm really supposed to be something else, something beyond this, something. And then I start to look at holy ideas, right? And and I, I start to realize that these are bridges. They, they are ways that I can discover who I am in divinity, who God is, if we if we might be so bold as to call him that. So so all that to say, can you give me an example when you say these divine energies? 
are found in the holy ideas. Can you give me a practical example of how you began to discover that in your own life? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe as an ego type six, which is sure. where you entered the Enneagram. How, how did discovering those holy ideas help you to recognize what the real Enneagram is? Because for our audience, they, they may or may not realize that you taught the Enneagram for many years and very much the same vein as as many other teachers, the Enneagram mostly of personality. You were using it some in your practice as a practicing um, therapist and psychologist, but something shifted in you when you had your own critical mass of suffering and you started to realize, man, if I want this to really, really help me, I'm going to have to go beyond these other previous uh, usages of the Enneagram. Does that make sense? Is there a question in there? I think there is. (laughs) Yeah, there is. And I'll try my best to answer. Nanette, yeah, I taught the Enneagram for years, uh, beginning in the late 1980s. And I did it in many sacred and religious sectors. I used the words holy ideas. I was trained in that way. I was trained by the Jesuits who looked at the Enneagram through the eyes of religion okay, um, and through the eyes of Christ and prayer. However, like you said, when the bottom dropped out of, of my own personal life, I was, my eyes were opened to see, for example, that the holy ideas are not just ideas Mm -hmm. that you list on a sheet of paper that are edifying. The holy ideas are a way I can return to the way I saw the world from my divine soul child. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. And everybody's idea holy ideas, if they're embraced and embodied, return us back to our essence because we knew that we perceived the world that way, but we just didn't know, we didn't know the words. We had Mm -hmm. forgotten that we were disconnected from the way we saw the world, which was our divine birthright, which was how we were created. Mm -hmm. And then we became disconnected and forgot our holy idea. We forgot how to look at the world the way we did when we were totally connected to God. And our ego made up another way to look at the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Almost in some cases, the very opposite of it. It is. Yours is yours as a type six is is holy faith. Is it not? Holy, holy strength and holy faith. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. not how somebody who's an unhealthy type six looks. They they yeah. certainly don't look like no. they have the holy idea and access to the holy idea of holy strength and holy faith. Yeah, but you're on to something here because you can even say the words holy strength and holy faith and not embody them. Mm-hmm. You, unless you know that they're your missing eyes to how to see the world that will give you less suffering, 
then they're just really nice, nice, comforting words. Wow. To really use them, you have to put them in your body. And that's a process of spiritual practice. And you have to do it. I have to do it daily in my spiritual practice. And sometimes hourly and sometimes during conversations. Okay. Like if I'm having a conversation with somebody and what they're scared or they're saying, I'm hearing with my ego and my ego distorts it and I'm afraid or scared or leery or paranoid maybe of what they're saying. I have to catch myself and say, holy strength and holy faith and realize within me a shift has got to take place to the soul, which does not see that person as scary at all. It's looking at them, as Richard Rohr would say, through the eyes of the universal Christ. Okay. Okay? Okay. Which is not we and they, not me against you, or not I am a soul, you're an ego, or... I'm I'm afraid of you. What are you going to do with me next? It's not dualistic at all. It's inclusive of even the fear-inducing words that that person is saying. I just got an email before this thing, recording Mm -hmm. podcast, and um, it, it was an email that was alerting me to something that was a mistake, like on our website, and my initial reaction is, oh no, what's going to happen? We're having this big conference and people are registering and they'll need to know. And this has been down for two days and I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. And so my initial reaction was to send an email immediately to people who are in charge of that and and sort of let them know, wow, I'm very seriously concerned if this is down <laughs> and why is why I need to know why and what. My email could have been much more fearful and pejorative and even blaming and punishing. Mm-hmm. Because part of me, my ego felt like doing it because the fear was, oh no, this is down and it's been that way and I didn't know. And But I knew to, to shift because I knew that the fear was kind of taking over and what I needed to do was shift through holy strength and holy faith to, for want of a better word, to my soul, my soul child. Uh-huh. And I was able to construct an email that was strong, but not panicky and not blaming. Okay? Yes. And that's an example of how hourly, you know, most of us have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have arrived. I mean, I'm sure many people have arrived, <laughs> like Richard Rohr and some of, you know, Thomas Merton and a lot of people who are, you know, but most of us, come on, we're all in the same boat. We're, we're trying. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure even, even, even they would, would deny their arrival if if they could speak uh, today. Um, You know, we're, we're, we're all using the grace that we have. So, um, 
<laughs> and 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 I think you were able to to make this shift, obviously, because of your spiritual practice. I think you have internalized the the eyes of of inner strength and and holy faith, and and that shift to, to soul child. But that's that's this has been a long practice for you now. And so, so someone who's new to their holy ideas or new to that understanding, and maybe came to the Enneagram of personality without realizing that it's really not about your personality at all. It's really about your divine spark. It's about yeah. your soul and who you were designed from, from the beginning of time to be. And so how, how does that person glean some wisdom maybe from you in, in what is a spiritual quest? The real Enneagram, a spiritual quest. What what spiritual quest are you talking about? And, well, I, and how I, does that maybe look in a in a beginning stage? Well, well, I think you said it. Once we hit our critical mass of suffering, we're automatically on a quest because, like all humans, we want some relief from that agonizing suffering that is caused by years and sometimes decades of using our ego to no avail to find peace and happiness you know um, it's it's such a it's such a shocking thing to finally realize that whatever your circumstances are your your suffering has actually not come from your circumstances it's actually come from your very own ego who keeps telling you you can fix it and they it it offers the exact opposite of what you need to fix it yeah it's and, crazy and it takes spiritual ideas like the holy ideas, and I don't know if I've, I have done an, a podcast on the essential aspects and the idealized aspects much earlier, and we can do a, another one later. But these idealized and essential aspects are other parts of soul that we can remember that the Enneagram, you know, lays out for us. You know, each of the energies has an essential aspect and an idealized aspect that, wow, if we can embody those, we can have the joy necessary, for example, to, and quoting the Apostle Paul, if you don't mind, to, to have joy in all things. Wow. Not just nice circumstances but all things, or enough joy to not have the suffering. And, I mean, when he wrote that, he was in chains in jail. Yes, amazing. Okay. Yeah. And how often have you and I been in chains? Yeah. Pretty. I mean, we have. We've all been in chains. I mean, maybe not real metal chains, but we've been imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And because of our circumstances, it could have yes. been a it could have been a lost job or a physical condition or a lost love or a tragedy or whatever. And our egos looked at it in such a way as we thought, "Oh my God, I'll never get out of this. This is the end. This hurts. This is excruciating. This is my life now. I don't even like it. I don't even know if I want it." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But with the, the, you know, the spiritual aspects, the idealized aspects, 
And with, in, in biblical terms, if you use the New Testament, the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, those are our, those are components to our souls. And if we are riding along in life, not even understanding what our souls are made of, which, you know, it's really out there for us to remember, grab and re-embody and live out of. If we don't know it, come on, we're going to still suffer. But the Enneagram helps us know what these things are. It, it points us back to the truth, Absolutely. which is um, which is the hope of the Enneagram for me, you know, to, to and and we get some idea of what it looks like, of what my soul looks like. It, it gives me an image of that. I, I won't say of what to aspire to, but what to remember. To, what to remember is already there. Yeah. Uh, and yes. because we're not, we're not trying to get something outside of ourselves. We're actually trying to embody what is already there. I, I tell myself, I keep a, I keep a little, it's not really a music box. It plays music and it's a little girl holding a cat. It's the oldest thing I think I own. It's, it's, it's always been in my room growing up and I had it tucked away. And a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what? I'm going to put this on my dresser just like it was when I was a little girl. And I'm going to remember that who I was in as essence is who I still am. That yeah. I'm still her. That I didn't. I didn't outgrow that divine spark that was in my soul child that I embodied so much easier as maybe a three year old. And so I just remind myself sometimes I'm still her, and she has the the qualities that will relieve my current sufferings. Uh, yeah. if, if I can just mm -hmm. realize that I still have access to that. And for me, yeah. that, that's really what the spiritual quest has really been about, is the rediscovery that's, of who I already am. That's a pretty amazing creature. And for absolutely of, every one of us. Yes. Yeah. Think about how many of us go around thinking, oh, if only anyone knew what I was thinking or how defective I am or how... Uh, lonely I am or how all of my difficulties and my lack of capacity, if, if it were only known, mm -hmm. then I, everybody would feel as bad about me as I do about me. Mm -hmm. And wow, that's not claiming our original goodness. Right. That's claiming our adopted flaws as yeah. being we are well that's that's really kind of you know if if we continue to use the biblical terms that we're all so familiar with that's really the knowledge of of good and evil is it not that we're just you know just constantly in that dualistic mentality of good and bad good and bad and i'm mostly bad and mostly not good and you know other people are good and i'm bad it's the it's the dualistic thinking that most of us have adopted especially in in our religious practices over the course of our lives it's 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 very and familiar to us and i think that's why the arrows of the enneagram take us to every point around that Enneagram so that we can experience the unity of all mm. instead of division. 
Mm. And that's why I caution people who study only the Enneagram of personality and define themselves as apart from everybody else and say stuff like, oh, well, I'm a nine and that's why I am so lazy and blah, 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 blah. But you're not just a nine. Right. You're not just a personality. You are, you were born at energy three. And so you've got the best of both of those worlds. And then after three, you go to six and you've got that wonderful sacred kinship. And then you go back to nine and then your wings do the exact same trips around the arrows. So you get it all. Yes. We truly have access to the divine. Right. Because we're truly all of these things. Yes, yes. And that's why I call it the real Enneagram, because these nuggets of wisdom get lost when people get hypnotized about the fact of how wonderful of a personality they can develop. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's fine. That's fine. But at the loss of knowing who we really are at our core, Mm -hmm. that's like, I don't know, it's just like building a big skyscraper without a without a basement and a foundation of mm-hmm. of what it is mm-hmm. it's all on top and there's nothing of substance that's acknowledged or built upon mm-hmm. we all have that basement we all have those footings those moorings that foundation and that is our soul it's a beautiful understanding i i keep feeling like it's an antidote really It's an antidote to the sickness that we've all been experiencing in our ego. And I think it is what most of us, and certainly I think if you're listening to this podcast today, it's certainly what what we are looking for ultimately is to discover who we really are. And so thank you. I I so appreciate your journey, um, Dr. Howell, and what that how that understanding and teaching of that has benefited your students um, of the ICB and those who attend conferences and seminars and have read your book. It, it it's been it's so enlightening to so many of us and so i'm so grateful for this this spiritual quest that you took and and now are helping us to to also do the same you know i'm thank you i'm going to respond with uh my pleasure Mm. and Mm. and and do you know why it's because it is the besides being a husband and father that is the that this wisdom has and teaching it has given me more pleasure than anything I have ever done in my life. Wow. Because it's about the soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no longer is are we skimming the surface. Yeah. No longer are we saying, oh well, I'm bored. Where can I go now? Yeah. Or, you know, the depth is already there right in front of you and me for us to just dip our ladles in and drink. <laughs> drink up. It is a pleasure. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Um, I apologize to our listeners. I've said wow a lot today. And I've okay. said it because I think we've had 
uh, we've heard some profound things today, and they they just they have that ins- awe inspiring impact of of uh, stirring your soul and just uh, giving a good wow. Sometimes is the about the only response you can give. So I hope it's been helpful to our listeners today. Just uh, Dr. Hal, I'll make a few announcements. Um, we have a conference coming up August twelfth and thirteenth at the First Methodist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. That's a Friday night and all day Saturday. It's going to be a great introduction really to the Enneagram and to this teaching that we've uh, referred to today. So you can check out our website at theicbtheicb.org and go to events. Uh, There will be information there. And then we have another uh, conference coming up September 30th through October 2nd, and that will be at St. Mary's in Suwannee, Tennessee. Uh, And you can also... Uh, the registration is actually through their website, but you can find out more information also at our website at events. And uh, so we we would love to see people who are interested in learning about the real Enneagram and, yes. and how that can be a spiritual quest and how to start that journey for them uh, by having them come to one of our conferences. So we, we welcome them, don't we? So um, we we'll sign off for today and look forward to seeing you again on our next podcast. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram, at The Real Enneagram. Or if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening.